I am Pavel Schmeichel, and you are listening to the European Skeptic Podcast, the real ESP experience. You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 283. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show is my co-host, Onika Harrison. See ya! Hello! <laughs> Apparently, during summertime, we can hardly get all three of us <laughs> on the show at the same time. We're taking alternating summer breaks. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, soon I'll probably be away again. As long as nothing terrible happens in terms of the, the COVID situation in the country. So uh, we'll see. But I'm supposed to leave the country on the 20th of July for uh, for an eight-day tour. So uh, wish me luck. Uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This is something that uh, it felt like to watch the launch of Virgin Galactic's um, first fully crewed so-called space flight because they barely scratch space didn't they <laughs> yeah so although richard branson and the three other astronauts are now called astronauts officially by nasa and i think faa as well which is the u.s federal aviation administration because they award the so-called astronaut wings to anyone who gets to space which is the space according to them <laughs> the lower limit of which is at 50 miles above the ground which richard branson's company did achieve i mean the vss unity the actual spaceship vss stands for virgin spaceship and uh, that was the fourth flight of this particular ship that was launched from a mothership that was actually a plane which uh, is called eve and named after branson's mother and on sunday they went up quite high actually even though it's up for debate whether it is actually space where they went but they went as high up as 282,000 feet which is about 85 kilometers or 53 miles but the debate is is all about the boundaries of space because generally internationally the boundaries of space are recognized as uh, the so-called karman line which is named after Todor Karman, he was a Hungarian physicist and aerospace engineer. And he was quite a, a famous guy. He contributed a lot to uh, theoretical and experimental ideas to aerodynamics. Um, he even co-designed an early version of a helicopter, actually, with another Hungarian and a Czech engineer. That's quite a European feat. But the Karman line sets the limits of space to 100 kilometers above the ground. So if we consider it, from that point of view, then Richard Branson and his crew barely scratched <laughs> the edge of space. The edge of space! <laughs> but it's still the edge of space, people. Yeah, it's still cool. Yeah, one thing to bear in mind is that it wasn't an orbital trajectory. So it was a suborbital flight, which basically means that it not reached an orbit around the Earth. It didn't reach that velocity. And it wasn't at the edge of of reaching that velocity because it, it it missed it by quite a large margin because they reached about three three point five Mach which is about five thousand kilometers per hour but in order to reach an orbit around the Earth they would have had to achieve about six times that <laughs> so that's very far from reaching an orbit and this is not going to be achieved by the next billionaire going up <laughs> which will be jeff bezos on uh, blue origin so one thing is for sure the space race is on and the time of commercial space flight is already here that means that people will be going up to let's say the edge of space experiencing what it's like to look down on earth from that height which is quite an achievement and 
this will make a large amount of difference when it comes to making it all commercially available and uh, and viable and profitable to operate these vehicles that take people up to that height and that will change human spaceflight forever i could also imagine that it even would change life on earth because i know that the, this first like picture of of the earth back from the moon in the 60s that this triggered like yeah. massive environmental groups and movements yeah. and yeah. i could imagine if more people going up and yeah. seeing the the earth from space that this could actually change policies Uh, 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 yeah maybe (laughs) but that said according to jeff bezos's uh, blue origin in that regard their solution going up to that height and uh, mind you they are going to go further up than virgin galactic did but according to them it's much more environmentally harmful to use uh, virgin galactic's operation than their own because they say that the ozone layer will be harmful because of the nitrous oxides that the hybrid rocket engine of uh, vss uh, unity um, operates on true and that has a lot of truth to it so from an environmental point of view it's not necessarily a positive outcome but if we have a lot of filthy rich people who can afford these flights mind you they cost about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars each if there are lots of people who can afford that there might be a change in their way of thinking about stuff way of thinking about earth and the future earth so they might end up financing solutions financing projects that aim to bring about changes in terms of uh, fighting climate change, for example. Mm. So um, who knows what the outcome will be? I don't know. Yeah. But it's definitely exciting. Yes. <laughs> and to talk about exciting changes. Yeah. I was listening to Natalie Grams podcast the other day, Grams Sprechstunde, mm-hmm. um, which means pretty much uh, Grams office hour, but for, for a doctor, like the office hour of a doctor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there I heard that she got married to her former co-host, Christian Nopman, and is now called Natalie Grams Nopman officially <laughs> Ooh, okay congratulations so yeah congratulations are <laughs> <laughs> uh, we getting quite gossipy here now <laughs> yes <laughs> which is okay i mean <laughs> we love natalie and we yes. d- d- certainly admire her work as um, an educator and she is the person who carries the flag yes of uh information network home appetit i'm oh, sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she carried. Yeah, 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 that's right. Like she she doesn't do that anymore, but she is still on the forefront of things and digging her heels in. <laughs> so she's a fantastic person. <laughs> yeah, 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 she is. And I consider myself very lucky to have met her mm. while we were on tour with Susan Gerbic. Yeah. About time tour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh what else has happened? Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you follow football at all? Uh, The games that were before Luna's bedtime, yes. (laughs) Okay. But the ones after, not so much. (laughs) Okay, so I have no idea when uh, the final took place. So It was was after bedtime. (laughs) If you're after bedtime. Yes. Okay. All right. So I didn't catch it either, (laughs) but it was for the lack of interest, nothing else. But I hear that Italy has won euro 2020 so they are now the european champion of football apparently they beat england yeah uh, but this is the second winning title of uh, of italy mm. in the history of the Euro- U- ufa european football championship UFR. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it started sometime around towards the end of the 50s i think so uh, it's quite a long history yeah. already mm. and something that also has a quite long history but is never cool is like the racism that actually the racist events that actually happened in the aftermath of the mm, game yeah. i don't know if, if oh, you yeah. heard that yeah yeah but that's definitely never cool and it's very horrifying to see like how thin the layer of civilization so to say is and yeah. there only needs to be a soccer game guys it's a game <laughs> this is in the name to trigger these events and and i'm just like i'm just baffled at how stupid and inhuman people can be to attack yeah, but other uh, people uh, then imagine that it definitely cannot be separated from those tribalism issues i mean yeah i mean it's just full of these tribal sentiments yeah supporting football clubs 
this is part of the reason why I don't follow football. Yeah, I just exactly. couldn't care less. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a, it's a nice game, but it's not my religion. <laughs> I don't have a religion. And it's definitely not football <laughs> or soccer. Especially when people refer to it as them winning. Yeah. I mean, we won. No, we didn't. They won. <laughs> they won, yeah. Those people <laughs> running around on the football court and chasing that ball, uh, which is funny if you say it like that, but <laughs> just 22 guys chasing a ball. <laughs> Don't you have your own? <laughs> That's a question. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but Wembley Stadium is quite um, an engineering feat actually yeah. I was there once and mm-hmm. I was amazed by yeah. the size of that thing yeah um, I just feel like the actual winner of Euro 2020 was probably the Delta variant yes <laughs> that's right and UEFA of course making money yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you remember from last week that uh, I mentioned a few statistical details yeah. about things like Euro Cup affecting numbers in, in Finland Well, the numbers are growing and those numbers can be, according to other Finnish health officials, it can all be tracked back to people going to St. Petersburg to watch the games. So this is when I say that fuck football people, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for that, but it's just not worth it. No. (laughs) It's not worth it. And I probably said it last week, but I'm still so angry at like thousands and ten thousands of people traveling uh, and being allowed to do that because of a game, a soccer game, whereas like moms just having given birth, uh, they are not allowed to have their partners there who are in the same household anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's just like, ah, that makes you angry. (laughs) Actually, I'm torn by my own dilemma regarding uh, traveling for tourism. Yeah. I mean, I totally understand that people found this uh, a, a great opportunity to get out and to get moving because we have been sitting home for a long, long time and people get frustrated with that. I totally get that. But even as a tour guide, I have my moral dilemma when it comes to traveling because I do want to work, obviously. I need the money, I need the income. And I understand that a lot of people want to travel. So I've got a full coach waiting for me on the 20th. Mm. But that's still a health risk. Even though we will travel with every single person on board having had both jabs of the COVID-19 vaccines. Which is great too. (laughs) It is great, but it's still risky. Yeah. We're not going to get into crowded places. Uh, Some places that we visit have rules established uh, with regards to the number of people they allow into a certain area at any one time so that's being cautious while trying to provide a service but sitting in a stadium with 80,000 others and cheering loudly and just getting in the face of the, of each other it doesn't make sense no. it's just total nonsense so everyone calm the fuck down <laughs> the euro cup is done the euro 2020 is over now go back to not sharing a crowded space with tens of thousands of others please <laughs> that's my advice yes exactly all right my advice would be to let's crick on with the show hey <laughs> oh yeah you're right and you're quite right why don't we do that and first first we have a very special person here on the podcast that we want to interview he is one of susan gerbic's editors for the guria skeptics on wikipedia mm-hmm. pavels michael i will ask him how to pronounce his name <laughs> just it's a good thing we don't have to wait for listeners to write in exactly <laughs> and he had did an amazing job he rewrote the czech wikipedia page for naturopathy and he created a panel, but I don't want to take away yeah. more from the interview. So why don't we just listen to the interview and uh, yeah, have fun, <laughs> be inspired by his great work. Yep. Every now and then we interview someone whose work we think to be of interest to our listeners and skeptics around Europe. This week, our guest is Pavel Schmeikal from the Czech Republic, uh, who's a prolific member of uh, GSOW, and uh, we asked him to come and join us to talk about his work and especially uh, one of his latest projects within the team. Pavel. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Before we interview, we were discussing whether we have met before, but uh, apparently not. 
does that mean that back when the last European Skeptics Congress was on, you did not self-identify as a skeptic yet? Well, I was just beginning, but uh, I didn't know that uh, Skeptic Congress is on. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I was not there. Ah, okay. And uh, what do we need to know about you and your background? So how did you find skepticism and where did you come from? Oh, believe it or not, but I was really a believer in uh, all ESO stuff, like chakras and auras and Ooh, nice. so on. And uh, in uh, 2017, when I get my first smartphone, I uh, installed an application for podcasts, which was the new thing for me, mm -hmm. and wondered to which uh, podcast I should listen to. And uh, I came across Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, mm. which opened me the whole new world of skepticism. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was uh, inspired, caught, and uh, it was not enough for me. Yes. So I looking for some more and uh, found... European Skeptic Podcast, which became one of my favorites. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, in one episode of uh, your podcast, you had uh, Susan Gerbeck as a guest. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was talking about uh, Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia. And it was really inspiring. And uh, in, uh, I think, November 2017, I contacted her on Facebook and three months later, I became full member of GSOW. So you actually went to the course really quickly. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> I remember it took me a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was exactly three months. So by that time, <laughs> you already self-identified as a skeptic. So how did that transition come about? I mean, was it through these podcasts that you found? And that introduced you to a different way of thinking. So how do you see your earlier self? Yeah, I think, yes, it was uh, thanks to the podcasts. Mm -hmm. As I said, I was a believer in uh, esoteric things, but um, lately I had doubts, but I want to believe because, you know, magical thinking. Yeah. But um, it was not working. Mm -hmm. And the podcast showed me skeptical world and uh, this kind of thinking and that was it mm -hmm. okay <laughs> sounds great that's really good one more thing about this how did you get hooked i mean was it the title or did you just decide to give it a try because the skeptics guide to the universe that already has the word skeptic in it so it's usually not very appealing to believers of different things yeah but it was just a name for me the time uh, which uh, corresponds to Hitchhikers to the Galaxy, you know? Yes, yes. Ah, okay. And probably that was it. Ah, okay. So you're <laughs> you're a fan of Douglas Adams's work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About <laughs> <Okay>. these books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good That's start. why their name is so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. All right. So um, turning towards uh, your work in GSOW, uh, Guerrilla Skepticism Wikipedia, you rushed through the training itself, so you became a full member with all the qualifications. So what did you end up doing on Wikipedia? Was it specifically check Wikipedia articles that you worked on? And which ones? Yes. I did uh, just one English uh, Wikipedia page, which was my first, the entrance page. And then I am focused on check Wikipedia because it, I think it is in really bad shape. Mm -hmm. And uh, my focus is uh, alternative medicine topics. Mm -hmm. Great, that need focus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have a background in that in any way, or it's just out of interest? It's really interest and um, self-research, which is not mm -hmm. great. Yeah. But uh, when I am uh, working on some topic, I did research for this mm -hmm. in uh, credible sources and learn much from it. Mm -hmm. And what did you do on Wikipedia recently? Recently? I heard something about naturopathy. <laughs> yes, yes, it was really needed. Uh, naturopathy. And uh, one of my last uh, articles was about Ludmila Elekova, who is a physician, doctor, and also homeopath and uh, 
kind of icon or guru of Czech anti-vaccination scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. So it was it was really timely, yeah. Then to write that up. Yes, and as I can see, uh, her page has. Uh, about 100 views per day now mm-hmm. wow uh, which i i assume based on hungarian pages with similar views per day that for a, a country the size of the czech republic it's it's pretty good yes yes i mean it's a pretty frequented page right i was surprised really yeah okay and uh what else so are there any sort of uh, other significant things that you worked on with that similar result that a, a lot of people watch it and follow it yes which was surprised me was uh cupping therapy mm-hmm. okay i had it as a minor thing but uh it has also about 100 views per day wow mm. it's good work <laughs> <laughs> and and i also heard something about a panel that you wrote for alternative medicine oh yeah it's a panel for all wiki pages of alternative medicine topic mm-hmm. and it's a it's a signpost for mm-hmm. pages you are looking for oh okay and on what platform is it I mean, is it on Wikipedia or? Yeah, yeah, it's it's on every page of uh, alternative medicine on Wikipedia. Ah, okay, that's interesting. Is it very common? I mean, is it commonly used on Wikipedia that kind of approach? I saw it on uh, English Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and it was really nice. So I tried to do the same on Czech Wikipedia, mm-hmm. so every reader can go through it and. Uh, read about mm-hmm. these topics mm-hmm. and uh, traditional medicines around the world and so on. Mm-hmm. Are you currently the only Wikipedia editor in the GSOW team who edits in Czech? Currently, yes. Mm-hmm. I was second member of uh, GSOW. The first member was uh, Claire Klinkenberg. Oh, yeah. 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 But uh, she was really busy with all EXO presidency stuff you know yeah, yeah yeah so i am the only active member czech active member okay yeah it's probably safe to assume that you would like that to change right yes yes <laughs> i'm trying so but still only one active member <laughs> okay yeah there might be a couple of people listening from the czech republic apart from yourself and occasionally probably claire so uh How would you like to explain what being a member of GSRW is like? I mean, what has it given you since you started working in the team? Hmm. I think that the main advantage of this work is its impact. Yeah. Because, as you know, the Wikipedia is mostly the first source of information for most people on the internet. Yeah. And uh, the second advantage of this work is that you can do it a few minutes here and a few minutes there as you like. So uh, it's not very time consuming Mm -hmm. and you can do it whether we want. Okay. And you get all the support, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, you get a full training, even if someone hasn't ever written anything on Wikipedia, they can still apply because... Susan will be more than happy to train them. And uh, then the community itself gives a lot of support. I mean, I still occasionally edit in Hungarian. And whenever I do something, I get a very good feedback. And when I need some help with something, I always find that there's always someone to help. So um, it's an amazing community. And um, that's correct. <laughs> uh, we appreciate it very much. So are you in touch with uh, other skeptics across the country? Not too much. Mm-hmm. Some people from uh, Sisyphos. Mm-hmm. Which is a Czech skeptics organization, right? Yes. Sisyphos, yes. Yes, yes. Czech uh, skeptics club Sisyphos. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was contacted by some people uh, lately. I am uh, creating right now the page for Jakub Krolik. Mm-hmm. Czech uh, mentalist and hypnotizer, mm-hmm. and also husband of Claire. Yeah. <laughs> and another member of Sisyphos contacted me if I could help with their uh, Wikipedia pages or if I could help with their Sisyphos wiki project. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. You've, you've got your work cut out for you then. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> so you're going to be busy for a while so it's it's no wonder that they, they, you want someone else to join you in that yeah I hope so but I hear <laughs> you have still another project 
that awaits you to to get a bit more time on your hands what's that yes you are right that's my own skeptical podcast check skeptical podcast mm. which is quite in sleep mode now because of lack of time but uh it is on air about 12 episodes i think okay it's independent of sisyphos or check uh, skeptic scene mm-hmm. but uh, i hope that will be some more episodes and bright future of this <laughs> okay so uh it really sounds like you need people to join you in your quests so we we do encourage everyone listening from the czech republic to do something about it if you want to use your creative energies so to speak <laughs> so that i can sound a little bit like a new age guru <laughs> please get in touch we can get you in touch with pavel and uh that would be great yes please do it so yeah and i'm so happy that you said you had heard about gsow from the european skeptics podcast yeah that makes me proud mm-hmm. because then you're like actually this i know another person who heard about gsow through the podcast that's me <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I can speak that I am skeptic because of you. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> That's an honor. <laughs> it's a good thing that we are we are doing audio because then uh, You can't see that Andres just blushed. Can't see that we are, I'm I'm blushing. <laughs> yeah, which is hard to spot anyway because of my skin color usually. <laughs> and the webcam. <laughs> and the webcam as well. But uh yeah, Pavel, we wish you all the best it's amazing that you've joined the skeptical community and uh what you've done so far is brilliant and please keep up the brilliant work and uh join us again whenever you have an update on the things that you do okay thank you so much and thank you for having me thank you <laughs> thank you for your time thanks for joining us pavel schmeichel bye-bye bye <laughs> bye <laughs> And to get back to the regular parts of the show, well, why don't we start with this week in skepticism? Yeah, and this week in skepticism, we have someone that actually was one of my nicknames when I was still Annika Merkaba. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because she sounds a bit like my name, okay. um, especially to teenagers, apparently, because she was my teenager nickname. Back then, I did mind that, but today I wouldn't mind it anymore because she's a very interesting person. Because today we're talking about Dr. Angela Merkel. <laughs> doctor, you say? Yes, because she has a doctorate. She was born on the 17th of July, 1954, as Angela Dorothea Kassner. And she is, as most people probably know, the Chancellor of Germany, has been since 2005. She'll step down this year. She'll be mysteriously <laughs> by me and by many other people. She has often been described as the de facto leader of the EU and as the most powerful woman in the world. Probably true. <laughs> yeah, probably true. Like it's, uh, At least until Vice President Kamala Harris came around. <laughs> she was born in Hamburg, but grew up uh, in East Germany in a Lutheran family. So which is unusual to go from Hamburg to East Germany, like federal GDR. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, she has a doctorate in quantum chemistry and was a research scientist until 1989. Mm-hmm. She entered politics in 1989 in the in the wake of the collapse of the USSR and was elected for state of of Mecklenburg-Vorpommern for the German Bundestag already. So the, like she had pretty much like a stellar career <laughs> in politics. Mm-hmm. She was a protege of um, Helmut Kohl, who was the chancellor back then, and um, thus became the minister for women and youth in 1991. Um, there are several steps that I will skip now because she had a very prolific political career. In 1998, she became the general secretary of the CDU, which is the Christian Democratic Union, and thus became the um, party's first female leader. Mm-hmm. And when she became the first uh, female chancellor in 2005, she was the f- obviously the first woman <laughs> um, as a chancellor, but she also was the first German chancellor having been raised in the former um, GDR. Mm-hmm. So two um, important things, two important first steps. She has always put her emphasis on international cooperation, which makes her an interesting person for us too, because we are pretty much doing international cooperation with our ESP. Yeah. <laughs> and she had a crucial role in managing the global financial crisis and also 
Um, I still vitally remember her calm responses to the migrant events in the 2010s, the tenors. For which she, she was she was criticized quite yeah. widely, yeah. right, internationally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like she was criticized harshly. Yes, exactly. And also with the COVID pandemic, like she she was one who always mm-hmm. advised people to listen to scientists and to. Mm-hmm. Like to stay calm and to listen to science. <laughs> and uh, has it really often come through? I mean, her background as a scientist in her way of handling things. It did because um, she sometimes is like, well, you just imagine if you have like exponential growth, you would be like, well, now we have 100 cases a day. That's not that bad. But just look at next week. Then we have 200. And then look at November where we have 8,000. Mm-hmm. She's not really like, she's not a science communicator, obviously. But she really put an emphasis on science and really calmly urged people to behave, basically, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> without being polemic or anything. All right. Yeah, as I already said, she will stand down this year. It will be interesting who <laughs> will follow in her, in her footsteps. And um, yeah, but she's also a very interesting personality in a way because she's a member of a United Protestant Church and sees religion as her constant companion. But she's also or was a research scientist, um, has a PhD, is a powerful woman, is essentially leading in, in air quotes the EU and is on the side of science. So she's there, she she unifies very interesting contrasts in her person. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, I also met her once on a ecumenic church day in Munich in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. I went to a church day. Yeah, it's out now. <laughs> uh, wh- wh- why, why did you go there? <laughs> well, I had some friends that went there and it was pretty much a big party, basically. Okay. okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we just went there, shown shoes and... <laughs> was fun come on come on you didn't really meet her <laughs> i did i've got a video of proof <laughs> okay okay we can post it on the show notes however <laughs> i have to tell you that i actually once shook hands with orban come on really <laughs> that's for real that's for real Whoa. that was back when i had already graduated high school but i was still very much involved with the school choir of my high school. And uh, we did a performance uh, to, to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the founding of the, of the school. And he was uh, prime minister. That was his first government back in 2001, I think it was. And they invited him. And I was part of the welcoming committee. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I shook hands with him. Is your hand still attached? <laughs> yeah, no. But he, he's hes tiny. Ooh. <laughs> he's a small guy. Hmm. Probably that's something that he wants to make up for. But I don't want to go into speculations. Um, <laughs> uh, like, like don't want to go into Napoleon here. comparisons here. <laughs> no, 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 no. Especially because Napoleon wasn't short. <laughs> exactly. He wasn't short. <laughs> uh, I mean, compared to his temporary male uh, counterpart. <laughs> so yeah, one, one more thing about Merkel. Uh, oh, Merkel. Or is that is that how you pronounce it? Merkel. Yeah, Merkel. Merkel. Like Merkel. I know she's internationally they really say Merkel, Merkel but she's yeah. like we would pronounce it Merkel. Okay, Merkel. Yeah. So about her, what about her religious views? Have they been affecting the the way she governed? You think? Yes, ish. Like in some things, yes. So if if I remember correctly, she voted against same sex marriage. Okay. Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is her right. Like everybody in, in there can vote however they want. But it's also like weird because she is the leader. So it's a bit. Uh, yeah, it did affect it, but it also didn't. Like uh, she she could have been a lot worse. I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. she could have been a, like the way her church is. She could be very extreme but she isn't that's why um and she's not catholic either she's she's lutheran right yeah she's yeah. she's protestant so she's like a yeah, yeah. unified protestant church which is like it's not really evangelical it's more like a united protestant church mm-hmm. of different protestant yeah denominations so interesting yeah <laughs> i remember reading about something that she said when somewhere along the lines of the european union not being a religious organization but it's an organization with core values and this is how she made a connection with with her religion and her religious views 
that she could identify with most of those core values. Yeah. And uh, that is a very sophisticated, a very intelligent way to communicate that. Yeah. I think. Yeah, exactly. Well, I wish we had a leader like that here. <laughs> but a chancellor, is it like a like a prime minister? What's what's the difference? Um, I would say yes. But we have two leading people. <laughs> All right. It's because we had two, two leading people before a certain person assumed both positions. Mm -hmm. Abolished it to be two people mm -hmm. who then wanted to, himself to be called Führer. So like, you know who I'm talking about. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> yeah. So that's why it's still important for us to divide the power into two people. So we have a prime minister and we have a chancellor pretty much. So like, it's not really a prime minister either. Okay. So we have a president and a, um, which who is pretty much only representative and a chancellor who is actually doing legal stuff. The head of the government. Yes. And that's the federal government that yes. we're talking about. Yes. Because there are local governments in the, yeah. the German, is there, are they states? Yeah, we have like, we have local governments in the states, <laughs> but also in the communes. So we have like on a lower level, then on a bit, bit of bigger, okay. bigger again, like region and then um, federal state and then whole of Germany. Well, but it's, Germany is a massive country, so I, yeah. I think it's only fair that it's happening that way. All right. Thank you very much. I, I, I think it was quite interesting to hear more about Angela Merkel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and w when is she uh, stepping down? She'll step down around the end of September. So the, the election is on the 26th of September. Mm -hmm. um, so September, October, she'll step down and interested uh, uh, to say the least who will who will follow her because i don't like my chances of uh, mm -hmm. who is next so she says that this is her last term yeah and that means that she's not running again so it's not like exactly midterm she's stepping nah. down and and giving someone else the... nah, she's officially stepping down okay. after her legislative period so to say <laughs> okay yeah okay and happy birthday <laughs> and happy birthday Angela Merkel <laughs> good thank you very much and in the absence of Pontus I'm afraid we're not going to poke the Pope because it has to be Pontus who pokes the Pope but <laughs> I hear that the Pope is recovering from um, his bowel surgery <laughs> yeah the, the poking doing <laughs> fine but still recovering so uh, we wish him a full recovery after all, we're nice people, right? Yeah. And uh, even though we like criticizing his actions, we want the best for him. Yeah, we don't wish him pain. <laughs> exactly. Or harm. Yeah. That's right. So, moving on to the news. So, let's start by something that's COVID-related. A few of them at the beginning. And I'd like to mention something that it's not very uncommon, uh, unfortunately. And that is when uh, anti-vaxxers and uh, anti-vaccination activists try to use news of people dying, uh, especially young people, otherwise healthy people dying, to support their own cause. And this happened in Slovakia where um, a 17-year-old girl in Sered died. There are no elaborations as to why she died, but uh, obviously the anti-vaxxers started spreading the news with the comment that she died as a result of the COVID-19 vaccine. However, the poor girl's father burst into a campaign trying to debunk all that because he says that the girl didn't even get the vaccines. So she had never been vaccinated uh, against COVID-19. So it could not be the result. But that n never stopped the anti-vaxxers spreading misinformation. But why it's particularly interesting is because even the special department of the Slovakian police, uh, which is a hoaxi apadvodi, um, I probably <laughs> completely butchered the name of that, but it says that uh, it's a department of the Slovakian police that deals with hoaxes and uh, tries to counter misinformation. And they reported on this, saying that the young girl died, but these uh, uh, crazy bored liars who, who stay at home in front of Facebook and just spread misinformation, uh, disregarding the fact that their campaigns actually cause a lot of trouble because people will 
refrain from getting vaccinated and as a result the pandemic uh, rages on so they apply a very interesting kind of approach to this because they mention the hoax they give the sources to the hoax which is not necessarily the right way to go about it however what they also provide is a lot of correct and proper information about vaccines in the name of transparency and they provide links to the original sources to that as well to all that and i have to mention uh here that slovakia is one of those countries that also uses the sputnik vaccine along with uh, obviously the the mrna vaccines so um moderna and pfizer and uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and the AstraZeneca, which uh, they now discontinued. But they do use the Sputnik V, so uh, a lot of people can get vaccinated. But unfortunately, in Slovakia, the problem is that this is a growing problem as well, that people hesitate to get vaccinated. And these stories do not help because it has been, this story has been circulating on Facebook and, and elsewhere, and it has been um, shared thousands of times. So uh, that's outright dangerous to do that. Yeah, it, it's definitely very dangerous and very bad. And on the other hand, I do have good news, <laughs> because at least for people who can speak and read German, <laughs> because there are a bunch of materials out to teach and understand COVID and conspiracy to debunk conspiracy theories, not to teach conspiracy theories, obviously. I should just name a few. For example, Dr. Josef Kuhn, uh, Bernd-Peter Robrat and the physician David Klemperer are working on a living ebook about understanding COVID. And there's a free download of that of, of over 140 pages. Mm -hmm. We put that in the show notes. Then Michael Schön upgraded uh, his eighth version of Scientific Information to the Pandemic, in German, Wissenschaftliche Informationen zur Corona-Pandemie. <laughs> oh, it sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Which has over 260 pages, also a free PDF download. We also put that in the show notes. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, then the government put up a page about how to counter misinformation, um, a whole, like a, a, a website. And there's also a new brochure out of 80 pages about conspiracy theories, um, which is called Down the Rabbit Hole by the Amadeo Antonio Foundation. Mm -hmm. And um, the magazine Politikunterrichten, Teaching Politics, also published their current magazine. And it's about conspiracy theories and how to debunk uh, them and why they turn up mm -hmm. so as i said a lot of amazing material that we can work with <laughs> and yeah i was i was very happy to just give all of that a little shout out here <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and in a connected piece of news well we have to be very careful as to what our sources are right yeah so when you try to assess the news uh we we need to find the right the proper sources and um there is a regular survey which is a, a yearly survey by the Reuters Institute and the University of Oxford. And uh, they do this survey, which is called the Reuters Institute Digital News Report. And the last one was uh, published about a year ago. And obviously, that didn't show the effects of the pandemic, the global epidemic that's been going on. So this is a global kind of survey. And uh, not all the countries are included in this, but uh, the number of countries has been growing in the last couple of years that uh, they include in the survey. So now the outcome is what's uh, really important because the data comes from six continents and 46 different markets, not necessarily countries per se, but it's a large amount of data that they get. And they found that when it comes to news consumption, there has been a shift towards those trusted news outlets, which are normally, usually those that are mainstream, that the trust in mainstream news outlets has grown significantly to about 44%. And that is a 6% increase compared to last year's normal level of trust. So in some countries, it's, uh, it's a reverse trend that we can see. But there are countries with a, an absolutely amazing level of overall trust 
in those sources, like Finland, which shows that 65% of the respondents actually uh, expressed their trust towards the mainstream sources. And the USA shows the lowest level of trust. Well, <laughs> But I think we have a pretty good idea of why that might be. So in the last four years, you know, the last guy <coughs> at the helm. <laughs> Sorry, I just sneezed there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that guy really did a good job at dismantling the structure and the system and the trust in the system with his fake news campaigns and calling everything fake news that didn't agree with him. And that was just a terrible trend. And uh, some other countries, they saw similar changes, but most of the countries showed an increase overall of the trust. But alongside that, it seems that people have finally started to realize throughout 2020 that social media outlets are not the most trustful sources of information because everyone can share everything. And um, I think that um, it's important and it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how this changes as we're going more towards uh, the end of this year. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing next year's numbers. People are more willing to pay for news outlets as long as they trust those news outlets, which is an interesting development as well, uh, especially those countries that are uh, in Western and uh, Northern Europe, for example. They show um, a significant increase. So that's interesting. And that is just the surface that's, that's just scratching the surface of what the, the report already shows. So I, I do recommend everyone to have a look at this report because it gives you quite a good idea as to how people regard these, these outlets. Uh, when it comes to COVID-19, most people still get their information uh, from local TVs, uh, TV channels and online sources, not necessarily social media. So TV and websites, um, as a result of, uh, of different search engines, are the ones, are the, the, the main sources of information. Uh, when it comes to COVID-19. But in some countries, it's mostly local newspapers. So there are still countries where newspapers are a thing, which is quite interesting. I wouldn't have said that that was the case, but the numbers show that. All right. So um, yes, things that can't be measured in numbers are sometimes also called non-existent, as we know. Mm -hmm. And non-existent things in remedies can be, maybe, sometimes called homeopathy by people who are very daring oh, you don't say <laughs> i wouldn't say that obviously <laughs> to not to not be quoted here but um there has been an amazing um verdict in uh, in the regard of homeopathy mm -hmm. because well once upon a time the regional court in darmstadt said or like the deciding judge said that it doesn't mean that something is not in a homeopathic remedy if you can't find it scientifically so that was obviously he was obviously a bit um friendly in regards to homeopathy mm -hmm. but now the higher regional court in frankfurt um they had a different idea they said if a remedy doesn't contain for example hcg which is a pregnancy hormone okay yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and um they say if a remedy doesn't contain hcg then they're not allowed to make to market it like it would so they say if you can't prove that it's in there scientifically then it doesn't contain it which is Pretty different to what the guy from Darmstadt said. And um, because in Germany, we, we don't work with like uh, exemplary um, court cases, like, like in America, for example. But this can still be an important stepping stone for politics. Mm -hmm. So that, that they say, see, mm -hmm. this is pretty much what we decide on. And, and now we should actually make it a law. So it was still a good decision. And yeah, I was pre pretty happy to read that, that this guy, this judge was on the side of science. <laughs> but is this now final? Because I understand that originally it was... No, it can still go up. Okay. Yeah. So originally it was a different decision and now yeah. now they overturned it and and it can still be overturned, right? It can still go higher up like it can yeah, up yeah. until the German Supreme Court. So Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, it's a big thing for homeopaths, so I'm I'm pretty sure that they will not no. just let it go. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> let it go. Let it go. <laughs> 
Talking about princesses, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you said earlier, once upon a time, <laughs> <laughs> there was a little girl uh, who was born to um, Queen. Queen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she it was, was a queen. She was, she was a queen, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a queen. Never mind. So we're talking about snow. She was knitting in front of the window where the snow was on the windowsill, everything, and snow and red and Yeah, stuff. and then she hurt herself with a needle and the blood dripped onto the, um, the snow and... Uh, and the ebony uh, windowsill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So when yeah. The, the little girl was born, then the, her skin was like, like the white, like the snow, and the lips were red like the roses and the hair was black like ebony so this is where the name snow white comes from i think we're the worst worst fairy tale tellers ever <laughs> yes we are we are but you should be much better on it because you you have much more experience i guess or probably not yet you're not there yet not yet okay will you actually tell her brothers grim stories maybe but i might might uh, buy a gender reversed version which exists which i find pretty funny where like the the princesses uh save the princess and stuff so i <laughs> Yeah, and there have been a lot of debates over things like uh, what about consent and uh, how can a woman who's basically lying in a coffin uh, give consent to a prince who decides to kiss her. <laughs> so those are things that are up for debate, forgetting mostly that this is a freaking fairy tale so it's like a bedtime story it's not something to take that seriously but some people cannot help doing that and one of those people was a um, user on tiktok by the name definitely a ferret <laughs> and he said that that was following the announcement of disney that they would be making uh, another live action film out of the snow white story which is okay i think i think it's it's a good story it's a nice story um so definitely a ferret uh, he or she was absolutely outraged by the fact that disney was making a, another uh live action movie and the user says that uh let me guess they cast a brown person to play snow white even though the story originates from white culture of folk tales and historically that would make fuck all sense which generated a massive outcry and, and a massive online debate on tiktok so it, it basically exploded and then snopes decided to go and and check the story and the background and where snow white comes from so obviously if we want to use a snow white story we cannot cast anyone with a with with brownish colors because that's basically the story behind the name of the girl yeah so this is the thing and why i wanted to mention it is because it only needs like a spark like this for a story to completely get blown out of proportions and when it comes to people hating pc and hating the idea of political correctness of getting tired of political correctness this is what it leads to so i think this is a debate that should not take place in the first place i mean this is a non-debate this is a non-thing this is a fairy tale this is a bedtime story and we should probably just leave it there and consider it that what it is and uh, don't get politically worked up over it because it doesn't make sense yeah it's like personally i feel like we should we should cast brown and black people for white roles as many times as we cast uh white per people to play for example a jesus or a Mar mary or so oh yeah um so like just just to to like to have an equal level so to say but that's my just my personal opinion but obviously with snow white it's like yeah i know i know what you mean exactly or it could be the other the other way around so would you cast a person with a completely white skin color to to play django in django unchained of course um, not. Of course <laughs> not. But that or, doesn't say that it didn't happen like that. Like yes. where where people played brown or black roles, but they were completely white and just black faced. Which is definitely the wrong thing to do. Yeah, it is the wrong thing to do. Absolutely it is the wrong thing to do. But we should not go nuts 
and criticize things that should just be left alone. <laughs> yeah, we can agree on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and something we can also agree on is that new books are always nice, right? <laughs> well, it depends. It's If it's an anti-vaxxer uh, publishing a new book, <laughs> then uh, I wouldn't agree. True, true. There's a new book out about pseudomedicine called Geschäft mit dem Nichts, Risikoscheinmedizin. So a business with the nothing, the risk of pseudomedicine mm -hmm. or fake medicine mm -hmm. by Theodor Much and Edmund Bernd. And... Um, It's, they say, like, some people still believe that mental forces influence life and health. That was a, an ancient belief, but um, especially regarding alternative medicine, people still believe that. Like, oh, yeah, you were just thinking bad things and that's why you got cancer, mm -hmm. which is definitely not the case. This is just like a slap in the face of, of people who, who actually are sick. This book um, also looks at the historic roots of these belief systems and reasons why already debunked treatments are still sought after. Mm -hmm. Why they sometimes seem to help, seem to help, <laughs> and why uh, the reasons why not every study is good um, that is done. And they also criticize the play with the hope of patients, they said. So oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the game around hope. So... Seems like a very cool and interesting book. And um, again, a German book. But maybe maybe if, if enough people are interested in it, maybe we can, we can get people to translate it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something that we always come up with, right? So that we should translate material that is worth spreading across uh, different countries. Because even if German is spoken by many people outside of Germany, it's not the largest reach that we can achieve. Anyhow, speaking of which, have you noticed how German heavy <laughs> this particular episode has been? Yep. Well, <laughs> it was not intentional, but uh, we just had a lot of things to, to mention from Germany. I just realized that even even the Snow White thing. Yeah, yeah. That was German. The, the, the Brothers Grimm, they were from Germany as well. So uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> and I And Angela Merkel is from Germany too, so yeah. <laughs> Natalie Grams is German, so yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's it's a very German episode, but um, well, Germany belongs to the EU too, so <laughs> and to Europe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I didn't mean it as a criticism or something, to, something to speak up against, because there's a lot going on and there's, yeah. there's a lot happening in the um, skeptical world of Germany. Mm. So uh, yeah, and we're also hearing a lot about about it um, because. We have Bernd Harder, who is doing the, the GWP blog, and he's really documenting everything really well. Um, and and um, attentive readers of our show notes will, will see that, um, especially I take some news items out of this blog, because it, the, he does it really well. Yes. And it helps that, that you actually speak German yep. somewhat, <laughs> a little bit of it. Just a tad. But <laughs> But this is where I'd like to ask our listeners to let us know what's going on in your countries. Yes. I mean, if you live somewhere in Europe where you rarely ever hear news mentioned on this show from, then it's probably because we haven't heard of it. And we would love to. If you know of something that you think is worth mentioning on the show, because others could learn something from it, or others could use it as an example in their fight against pseudoscience or something, uh, then please let us know. It's info at the ESP.eu where you can you can uh, write us an email or you can uh, get in touch on our Facebook page where we, we regularly uh, check the messages as well. So yeah, yeah, feel free to get in touch. Do it. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of the show because uh, again, in Pontus's absence, we will not feature a really wrong segment here. But, as usual, we need a quote to finish on. And to somewhat balance the German heaviness of this episode, <laughs> I bring a quote from a British medical doctor, science educator and politician who uh, is sitting in a house of lords, actually, uh, for the Labour Party. And that is Robert Winston. Does the name ring a bell to you? 
No. Uh, he used to have, <laughs> when I was a child, I was listening to a lot of his TV shows. Even on, on Hungarian TV, they, they featured a lot of them on newer development and, uh, mm. and development of children and, and a lot of human-related stuff. Yeah. But what he said was, I think it's important for scientists to be a bit less arrogant, a bit more humble, recognizing we are capable of making mistakes and being fallacious, which is increasingly serious in a society where our work may have unpredictable consequences. Very right. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. So, uh, with Robert Winston's words, I'd like to thank you for joining me today, Hanika. Thank you. And I'd like to thank our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Bis dann. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe